We'll take our text this morning from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We'll read verse 1, and then we will jump down to verse 4 and read verses 4 through 9. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm sure as we head into the Christmas season, as we do every year, we give some thought to gifts. Maybe we think about gifts we would hope to receive, or gifts that we would like to give others. And no doubt we probably put a lot of thought sometimes into those gifts. And, you know, I was thinking this week, what kind of qualities would make a perfect gift? Maybe you've asked yourself the same thing. Well, a perfect gift would be useful. It would be something that would be practical, something that could be used in any situation. It would be a gift, no doubt, unique to the individual. You know, if my wife bought me a set of frying pans, probably wouldn't do much good. I admire men that cook and know how to cook. I'm just not one of them. So that wouldn't be a real practical or useful gift. A good gift or a perfect gift would increase in value. I've heard of gifts that will keep on giving. Well, a good gift or a perfect gift would be something that would grow more valuable over time. I read a story about a kid who got an electric guitar one year for Christmas from his favorite uncle. And several months later, at a family reunion, this kid found his uncle and he thanked him for the electric guitar. He said, that was the best gift I ever received. Of course, the uncle was very pleased and he thought, well, you must be getting really good at playing it about this time. And the kid said, well, actually, I don't play it at all. Every time I get out to play it, my mom gives me $5 to put it away. And he said, on the weekends, my dad gives me 10 bucks. So that was a gift that increased in value. It was a good gift for him. You know, a perfect gift would be something that had durability or something that was long-lasting, something that didn't wear out over time or break down or malfunction. A great gift or a perfect gift would be one that would benefit others, not just the one receiving it. Imagine a gift that can meet all your desires and your longings that would satisfy you. Where does a gift like that come from? You certainly wouldn't find it on a shelf. You can't order it from Amazon. But you know, God's gift of grace meets all of those requirements. 
What is grace? We've heard probably anybody who's been around church any amount of time, they hear that word used often, the word grace. Probably the best known hymn of all time, Amazing Grace. Even sinners know the words to that song, even though they haven't experienced grace. They know the words to the song, Amazing Grace. Well, you've probably heard of several definitions for grace. Of course, we know of grace as that divine, unmerited favor of God. I like to think of it as that divine assistance of God. When God comes down and He helps us in our needs, even sometimes when it's unsolicited, God sees us struggling and in His grace He reaches out to try to help us. We know the acronym for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. You know, grace is a part of God's nature that would cause Him to reach out to us. It was that thing that caused God to turn His face toward us. We know when that relationship between man and God had been severed in the garden through sin and disobedience and the whole world was plunged into sin, it was grace that put a plan in place that would enable us one day to be reconciled back to the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Grace is the whole reason for Christmas. That's the whole reason Christ came. He came to where we are. He came to show us His love and His mercy, His forgiveness, His help. Grace is the only means by which man can be saved. The Word of God tells us, Romans 3, verses 23 and 24, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Grace is a gift that everybody needs. You know, grace can be received and given, but it can't be earned. Part of our text in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it's the gift of God. Uh, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's something that the Lord gives to us. You don't earn a gift. Gifts are different than favors or privileges. Those things often are earned. You know, when you go to your job and you get a paycheck at the end of the week or if you get a salary, that's not a gift. That's something you earned. You have a right to that. Salvation is different. We don't earn salvation. We don't deserve salvation. It's a free gift from the Lord Himself. You know, Jesus told the story of the Pharisee and the publican. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. The one, the Pharisee, he stood up where everybody could see him. And he prayed this really elaborate prayer and told the Lord about all these wonderful things he had done. He wasn't an adulterer or an extortioner and paid tithe of all that he had. And he's thankful he wasn't like this other man. Well, his prayer didn't get any higher than his head. He said he prayed within himself. But that publican... Says he smote on his breast and he couldn't even lift up his head. He just said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That man went home justified that day. He discovered grace. It wasn't something he could earn, but he had to receive it through faith. In Galatians chapter 3, excuse me, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. 
Paul understood the futility of trying to earn God's favor. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Paul realized he couldn't earn God's favor by keeping the law and doing everything he thought he should do. He fell short. He needed God's grace. God is loving. God is compassionate. He's merciful. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's all of those things. But I can only imagine it must frustrate God terribly when we try to earn what He's trying to give us. We receive grace through faith by trying to earn something from the Lord or grace actually diminishes the power of God's grace. You know, there's something grace cannot and will not do. Grace won't tolerate sin in people's lives. We're saved through faith and by grace. Tells us that Jesus came to save the people from their sins, not in their sins. There's a big difference. If you're saved from something, you're removed from something. You know, if you came upon a burning building and there was somebody inside and you were to rescue them, you'd pull them out of that building. You'd take them away from that building. You'd get them as far away from those flames as possible. You wouldn't leave them in there and say, oh, I rescued them or I saved them. And you wouldn't pull them halfway out. You'd get them as far away from those flames as possible. Well, in a sense, that's what the Lord does when He saves us by His grace. He takes us out of that life of sin, and He takes that life of sin out of us. He rescues us and delivers us from sin, and He gives us the grace and the strength to live without sin. Every day, He gives us victory in our lives. It tells us in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace gives us the ability to do that. It's not about making mistakes. It's not about human perfection. A mistake is something that's unintentional. You don't do it on purpose. Sin and disobedience is something you make a conscientious choice to do. It's a violation of, or a transgression of God's law. But by grace, He saves us from our sins and He keeps us from our sins. It doesn't make an allowance for sin. It provides the remedy for it. It says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So it's that grace that delivers us out of sin and keeps us out of sin. You know, God's grace is unlimited in its scope. It's useful for every situation. Years ago, I bought my wife a gift certificate to a particular women's clothing store that she, she used to like. Um, they must have changed their clothing line or something along the way. It was actually called Dress Barn. I thought that's probably not a really good name for a women's boutique, Dress Barn. But anyway, I got her this gift certificate, and she went to try to find something. She couldn't really find anything very useful. problem was she couldn't redeem it for cash. It was limited in its scope. It was only good for that particular store. 
God's grace is different. It's good for every situation. It's unlimited in its scope. Jesus told Paul here, Christ, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That same promise can apply to us. Aren't you thankful that when we're at our weakest, that's when God's grace is available? We can call on the Lord. We can find strength to help in time of need, times when we're feeling weak, when sickness or difficult situations come, maybe a financial struggle. We don't know what to do or where to turn. We turn to God's grace, and God's grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Grace is good for any circumstance, any situation. You know, this gift of grace is available to everyone. There's no supply chain issues when it comes to God's grace. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's why Christ came. He came to bring us the hope of eternal life. Those angels, when they made that proclamation to the shepherds, they says, Behold, we bring you good times and great joy that shall be for all people. Grace is available to everyone. We know grace is what caused Jesus to come. He started his earthly journey in a manger and it ended on the cross. That's all part of God's plan of grace and salvation. He paid the penalty for our sins, gave his life on that cross, and he redeemed us from our sins by shedding his own blood. That's grace. That's God's grace available to whosoever will. That's the good news. It's not limited to anybody or any particular group of person. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, the Lord extends an invitation even this morning. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you need help this morning? You know, that invitation is for you. God says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. You know, it says to believe on your hearts, believe in your hearts, confess with your mouth. How do we receive this amazing gift? We know we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't work for it. Christ already did it all. He paid for it. It was purchased with his own blood. What can we do about what Christ has already done? What do you do to earn or pay for or merit a gift like this? Nothing. We can't do anything to earn God's grace. You know, if you try to pay one penny for the gift, you reject the gift and you insult the giver. Imagine how you would feel If you bought your child a very special gift, you knew it was something that they had wanted and needed for a long time, and maybe you even sacrificed to purchase this gift for that child, and you presented it to them, and they opened it up, and they left and came back with their piggy bank and started emptying out their piggy bank, wanting to pay for that gift. How would you feel? You'd be insulted. You'd be hurt. How do you think the Lord feels when we try to earn what He's already purchased for us? 
But we can receive it. That's the good news. We can receive this gift of grace by confessing with our mouths, believing in our hearts. You know, you have to acknowledge the fact that if you're not saved, you're a sinner. You need God's grace. You confess those sins. That means you turn away from those things. You repent of those things. And you surrender. You pray an honest prayer to the Lord. And God will extend that grace to you. Even this morning, you know, they say actions follow our beliefs. That's true. When you're saved by grace, you know what? That will be demonstrated by what you do and not by just what you say. But the Lord can change you and transform you this morning. can give you that hope of heaven in your heart. You know, the greatest gifts are those that we can share with others. You know, if you've been saved, changed by the blood of Christ... You're supposed to share that with others. It's the greatest news of all mankind that Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. Thank God for that. Thankful. You know, you can have Christmas in your heart all year round. It doesn't have to be just at a special time of year. But come this morning, if you haven't received that free gift, I would encourage you to do so. It is for a limited time only. You need to avail yourself of that opportunity. We know one day God's grace will turn to judgment. But this morning, He's still extending grace today. It can be yours. You can leave this place a new creature. In Christ Jesus, you can experience grace for yourself. Let's sing 344. These altars are open.